you're listening to this, you're a mortgage professional who's probably wanting to scale your business. After 12 years of being in the trenches as a mortgage pro and nearly 180 interviews with top-performing loan officers and mortgage brokers, I've distilled the best ideas, strategies, and tactics into an eight-week program called the $25 million Blueprint. If you're wanting to take your business from $10 million a year to 20, or if you want to go from 25 to 50, this is the program that will help you scale. Step by step, we're going to show you exactly what the pros have done so that you can get there too. Go to mortgageblueprint.io to find out more. That's mortgageblueprint.io. I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 98. The only podcast for brokers by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Today on the show, I have Carrie Reed of Premier Mortgage. She recently won Mentor of the Year from Camp. After a conversation with Carrie, it's easy to see why she won Mentor of the Year. She has a knack for helping people and just understanding where they're at. She shares a story about the process she went through when deciding on if she was going to join this new brokerage or not. And she also shares about her experience with doing about 10,000 flyers. So I think you're going to really enjoy this interview. Also, if you appreciate what Carrie had to say, or maybe you're interested in checking out Premier, you can definitely reach out to Carrie. If you go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and type in her name, you'll be able to find this show as well as links to Carrie um, and Premier Mortgage. The question I get asked all the time is, Scott, where should I hang my mortgage license? And to me, it's a very personal question. It's like saying, Scott, what kind of car should I drive? I'm like, I don't know. It really depends on what's important. So we decided to create a career section of the I Love Mortgage Brokering site that allows brokers to input their postal code and find brokerages that are recruiting. The idea came when my wife and I were car shopping and when we'd go to the car dealer, every car had a, in the window had this sticker and the sticker would have things like engine size and mileage and all the other basic features and allowed you to compare one car in the same class. Now, ultimately, it wouldn't just come down to the features. You'd take it for a test drive and you'd choose the one that was the right feel. I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a way for brokers to compare brokerages that are actively recruiting? But instead of engine size, you compare number of brokers, status with lenders, whether they have mentoring or any other key pieces of data. Ultimately, it's going to come down to finding the right fit. But the career section allows you to do your homework before making such a huge decision. Check it out at I Love Mortgage Brokering slash careers. And check out this interview with Carrie. Hi, Broker Nation. I am to introduce our guest today, Carrie Reed. She's a broker and owner with Verico Premier Mortgage. She's been a broker for 14 years based out of the GTA. And in 2015, she won the Camp Mentor of the Year Award, which is totally awesome. And I'm stoked for this interview today. Carrie, you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Sure. I, am, um, I started working in a bank when I was 16 years old. From there, I sort of moved up, moved down the path of, of finance and banking. I finished university and, and decided I was absolutely going to take the route of investment planning for clients. I've always loved working with clients. Numbers, yeah, that's okay. Um, but it was a client interaction and helping people that I really liked. But once I went down that path, I very quickly realized when I was sitting across the desk from someone and my, their, you know, their financial well-being was sitting in my hands and, and I could absolutely talk the talk, but I couldn't walk the walk. It, it scared the living daylights out of me. I had a number of colleagues that, you know, were so passionate about helping their clients and, and working through the investment strategies and, and it didn't take long before I realized that this probably isn't something that I should be doing and it's not in the client's best interest. But from a lending perspective, when you're working inside of the bank branches, you get to be sort of a, 
a jack of all trades as well. And, and that was always something that interested me. So I instantly went from investments and, and a few other things to let's focus on the mortgage side and started at Home Loans Canada, um, which was, yeah, 14 or 15 years ago now. Home Loans Canada was that hybrid model inside of CIBC that attached itself to the bank, but also had its foot in the door of the big bad broker world. So you weren't thrown to the sharks out there, but you had access to some of the lenders that the true brokers had. And, and it gave us a really good, you know, gave me a really good taste of, of what I could actually do and, and focused purely on mortgage financing, which was amazing. Right. You sound a lot like Peter Matheny, who talks about how he preferred to give people money than ask them for it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then, so you started Premier Mortgage and then, so what, when you started it, what was your original, did you have an original vision or was it just, Hey, we want to try our own thing. What was the thing that prompted you to leave HLC? Yeah, we certainly wanted to try our own thing. And it started with um, Don and Dave McVicker, her business partners of mine um, in Atlantic Canada. They started Premier Mortgage Center in six months into six or seven months into what they had started, which was going to be, you know, something small and intimate, um, they very quickly realized, wait a minute, you know, we could probably do something a lot bigger with this, but we need somebody we can trust. So they came to me, they came, uh, Don came back to Ontario to have some discussions with me because I've always worked with them at HLC. And uh, it wasn't long before I flew out to Halifax to make sure that uh, what they said they were actually doing, they had accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because people don't lie, I wanted to sit and talk to the people that they had already started working with. And and we came to an instant, you know, decision. Yeah, this is something we should do. Let's go for it. Jump in. Feet first. Both feet in. We're in. And here we are 10 years later. That's interesting that you, so you went out and interviewed the people that were working for those, for the guy, your business partners? Yeah, that's right. I interviewed like the three or four agents that they had and one administrator named Stephanie that they had hired who was a waitress at a restaurant before she started working with them. So she became the admin assistant at the front desk of Premier Mortgage Center in uh, in Halifax. It was great. And then so what were you trying to find out from these people? Because this is actually really good advice for any time you're making a big decision. But so what kind of things were you asking them when you were trying to decide to be go into business with them? That's right. Yeah. It was a huge decision. I mean, I was going from a really successful path at Home Loans Canada as one of their top sales leaders. I was also a top producing agent to, you know, giving all of that up, investing personal money and possibly not making any sort of money for, you know, a year or two. You never really know, right? Mm-hmm. But I was going out there to see if the actual people were making headway and if they were happy, if they were happy with what they were doing and the decisions that they were making and and what sort of direction this was all going in. Because if those people aren't happy, and then, I mean, it's all going to fall apart really quickly, especially when it's something that's starting up. Right. So you basically were trying to find out if, because sometimes as salespeople, we can sometimes paint, not intentionally, but we can, we're very optimistic. We can paint a picture that things are all wonderful and roses. And then when you actually sat down and talked to the agents, you're like, okay, give me the real scoop. Is that kind of what you were doing? That's right. It's no different than sending face to face with an everyday client. They they have a very difficult time, you know, not telling you the truth. Right. Because you can see them eye to eye. So I really wanted to get to know who these people were because I knew Don and Dave very well, but I wanted to get to know who these people were. I wanted them to know who I was and what my intentions were mm-hmm. and whether or not we were going to be a good fit. Right. That's really good. Okay. So before we dive into your story, I always like to ask about quotes because quotes are memorable. They're portable. I use them as a way to keep myself on track. So can you share a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? 
I would say I stick with my own quote, and this started in the, the very beginning, and it may be a version of something else that I just don't remember now, but my definition of success is to see other people successful. Can you give, I love that quote, by the way, how, can you give an example of how you apply that in your day-to-day business? Every single day. One of the key parts to my every day is making sure that the agents and brokers that work with me are doing exactly what they want and how they want to do it. I'm here to stand right beside you, not in front of you, not behind you, but I'm here to support and guide you in the direction that you need to go in and provide every ounce of infrastructure that I possibly can. So obviously part of your job or a big part of your job is managing people and relationships. And so just out of curiosity, because this is something that's interesting to me, everybody has, there's different personality types. How do you know some people like work well with a push. Some people work well with a pull. Like, is there, like, how do you read their personalities to know the best way to help motivate them for their best result? Or what do you do in those situations? Hands down, the first thing you have to understand is who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand who you are as a person, you have a very difficult time understanding the wants and needs of other people. So although I might be able to manage certain personalities and people on a daily basis, I have to be able to manage myself first. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not in control of me, then I can't, you know, handle the day-to-day life of of somebody else that's going to need my support. So identifying them, uh, a woman by the name of Elaine Taylor, most of the industry knows who she is, very smart woman. Uh, When I started as a sales leader at Home Loans Canada, she taught me something which was amazing, and that was to start listening to what people weren't actually saying to me. So sitting in front of people, watching body language, diving into conversation, whatever that might be. It didn't even have to be professional, but what those people were actually saying might not actually be what you need to hear. So helping to understand that what someone is in fact saying, you know, is, is something different than what you need to hear from them. Right. Can you, can you think of, I know it's off the cuff, but can you think of an example of without using names of a situation where you recognize somebody was saying one thing, but they were really, you saw the deeper and just so that I can get a, a picture of how you do that? You know what? I think using my own experiences, I'm not afraid to be an open book to people as long as they're going to be the real honest person in return. And I've been through a lot over the last 10 years. You know, you can recognize when somebody is having a difficult time in their life. And whether it's professional or personal, in those moments, you know, one or the other is going to be affected, although people don't necessarily want to talk about it. So when, you know, when agents or agents or brokers are are just having the worst day possible, right? It's, you know, and everything happens to be the underwriter's fault or the lender's fault. You know, if you really sit and listen to something, you can truly understand that, you know, there's probably something bigger that's going on in that day. And what has escalated to this is not necessarily the incident itself. Right. Okay. That makes sense. It's an everyday occurrence, an everyday occurrence of understanding how the person in the emotional state that they're in, or whether it be a high or a low, mm-hmm. but how they actually got there. It's not always the lows, right? There's, there's, there's the highs as well. Right. That's good. And another thing I, I, love talking about although is failure. I know that failure is not final or fatal, but looking back, there's always a lesson. So can you share something that you'd failed at, but now that you look back, there was a lesson in it for you? Well, I don't think I haven't, I haven't necessarily, and that's not to say it won't come, but let's hope it doesn't have had any professional failures yet. 
I would say I would certainly have learned to do things differently when setting up a brokerage. And they are there were lessons learned from that, but not necessarily failures. You know, on a personal side, sure. I've been married, I've been divorced, I have three beautiful children, so there's a lot that I learned from that. But on a on a professional level, we haven't had we haven't had a big failure yet. I hope we never do. We're sort of on a on a path upwards and, and involving everybody along the way, which is amazing. Right. Well, another thing, because you've got three children, you've got a, a big brokerage that you manage. So I'm curious, what, what does your day look like? So tell me what, when you get up in the morning, just because I get an, a sense of how you prioritize and how you manage, what, what does that look like? A day in the life of me. It starts anywhere between 5.30 and 5.45 in the morning. My children and my my family are extremely important to me, so I make sure that I'm ready for my day before they even get up, um, hence the reason why I get up fairly early. Once they're up, I take care of them right to the point where they go to school, so I'll walk them to school 99% of the time unless there's something important that I need to be at, and once they're at school, then I start my day, which is somewhere around 8.30 in the morning. Um, my day can be anything from the structured administration that goes on with a large brokerage and overseeing that to putting myself in my car and getting on the road and spending time and energy on the agents and their business themselves because I do spend a lot of time on the ground with them. And then, so on the agent side, do you broker on deals anymore or are you just basically managing and mentoring other agents? Yeah, I strictly manage and mentor at this point. A year and a half ago, almost two years ago, was the last time was the last time I sat down and and helped one of my former clients. It is now solely uh, managing and building the existing brokerage itself. Building your team. Do you have like a schedule that you coach people on, like or mentor your team on, or is it just sort of when they need you, or how does that how does that look? Yeah, it's a when they need me. So there's never been a strict schedule. There are certainly a number of agents and brokers that require more time because that's something that they have asked for. And there are others who need less time. So there's never been a set structure unless they want it to be. And that's not to say there isn't. You know, my Friday is pretty much filled up with every hour some sort of a, we'll call it a coaching session. Sometimes it's a therapy session and sometimes it's just a, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. But it's very structured on Friday. I have a few that want to talk every week just for the sake of talking and and getting some time and and others that want to sit down on a monthly basis and really be held accountable to what it is that they wanted to do. Others, you know, they like to spend time when we all spend time together as a group and maybe sit down with me once a year. So it varies amongst all of them. Right. Yeah. It's like having 44, not children, but in a sense. That's right. Yeah. They all it's have, like having 44 kids. That's exactly what it's like. Some of them are further along in their sort of career and maybe need a little less help than the, the newer ones. Yeah. And some of them are just are happy with where they have landed in their career and what they've been able to do with it. And others are on an aggressive growth strategy and some are on to let's build a succession plan here, Carrie. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. It's all over the map. And so were you at all fearful switching from obviously you had the, you know, there's, if you've been brokering for a long time and got a good client base, but now you're switching to just basically managing, building a team. What was that like? And how did you put anything in place to keep yourself from like freaking out? Or was it pretty an easy transition? I got to think I would freak out. 
No, you know, you know what I had the best piece of advice I can give to people is surround yourself, surround yourself with the people that actually want to provide you with any type of support that you need. And it doesn't have to be financial support. I mean, it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, these individuals are, are on their own path and building their own business. You know, that is a part of your business, but surrounding yourself with really great people. I mean, I was, I was really fortunate. You know, I had lots of great people around me. And although, of course, there's a fear, I had to let go of being in charge of my own fate and put it into the hands of others. The first piece to that was building a mutual level of respect between us mm-hmm. that we could, we could all work in the same space and, and build something together. We've always involved everyone in what we've built. It's been amazing. And so when you made the jump, have you added many new agents since switching from full-time brokering to full-time managing and team building? Well, I've kind of done both at the same time, the entire time. So 10 years, Premier Mortgage Center has been open. Um, In the first two years, I had a, well, when we started, I had a list of 20 agents that I knew in the industry that I wanted to come and work with us. Um, At the end of two years, those 20 were with us. Mm-hmm. That was aggressive because at the same time, I was obviously servicing my own business in order to put money in my pocket. Mm-hmm. At the end of year two to where we are today, we're at 44 agents here in Ontario. So, you know, half was built in the first two years, the next half built over an eight year span. So, you know, we don't necessarily grow aggressively, we do it organically. We're not out recruiting for agents. Um, we tend to stumble upon and and find those that are looking for a new home. And if they're a right fit for us, that's great. And if they're not, like I said, I, I will help them if they're the right, you know, individuals for this industry and I'm not the right fit for them because every brokerage has a different platform, then I will certainly help them find the right platform. We know a lot of people and without the right platform, success is, is really difficult. Totally agree. So back when you were brokering, so switch gears to the when you were actually you know doing the day to day. So what kind of things were you doing that helped you build a successful brokerage? Like was there a certain marketing strategy or like what? Can you give me some insight into what you found to be really effective? The best thing I ever did it was just to let people know who you were as a real person. I had moved to Oakville. Um, Ontario, um, which is not, I mean, it's on the outskirts of Toronto, beautiful area. I had moved there and my decision was that I was going to work and live in the same city. I didn't want to have to travel into Toronto all the time. Um, I really wanted to become a staple in that actual community. The first thing I did when I got in there was ask the real estate agents who was already here, who were the big players. I just had this conversation last week on the MCAP summit with him, but the real estate agents told me Tom Hogg, Lori Furness and Brian Gurton. So Tom and Lori, I know really, really well. I got to know Lori over the last few years in the industry, but Tom Hogg opened up the door to his house to have me sit down and tell me anything that I wanted to hear. It was amazing. You know, he was somebody who just said, basically told me not to do it, which I laugh about. We laugh about but at the same time said, you're going to be great. There's lots of room for everybody and have a good time with it. Right. She told you not to do it. That's hilarious. Yeah. He's, you know, I said, what would you like? How did you do this? How did you do this? I was sitting in his office in his home and that's still where he works out of. And I was sitting in the office in his home. I said, I want to know how you did this. 
And he said, to be quite frank with you, I don't know, and I wouldn't do it again, so don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. But, I mean, he's hugely successful, and, and he's, you know, he's in charge of, of everything that he's done, and uh, the same with Lori, but there was lots of room in the industry, and I really wanted to be, I wanted to be known as a person that lived and worked there, so that if somebody saw me at the grocery store or at the gym, they would say, hey, Carrie, or I'd be sitting across from them at their kitchen table. You know, I wanted to just be that real person. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things did you do to being, obviously being real means you, you're willing to share and you're not like, what you seem to be when I'm talking to you. So, but what, what things were you doing in your community to market yourself so that people would find out about you? Oh, I was knocking on doors. I mean, knocking on people's doors and introducing myself. And th- at that time, 15 years ago, the, you know, the privacy laws were not in place. You could buy lists of what mortgages were renewing with what lenders You know, I had to really quickly learn how to be really good at cold calling, which is terrible. I still hate it. You know, I really quickly learned how to accept that I wasn't going to win everybody over and also be grateful for those that were going to open their door to me and, and allow me the opportunity. So take me back to when you were knocking on doors. Was this like in your first year or two? When were you doing that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was in my first year or two. Yeah. Knocking like pick, I would pick a street mm-hmm. that, um, I would pick a street and I would knock on doors. And when I had success with somebody in that area, I would then ask them if I could broadcast it or market the fact that I had just helped these really great people without using names. But I remember a, a certain flyer that I would put together a letter that I would drop off to the other homes in the area saying, I just helped your neighbor save thousands of dollars. Give me a call. Right. Things like that. And and for some it worked and for some it didn't. I had some huge failures. Oh, wait, you asked me about a failure. I did have one. And 15 years ago, it was a lot of money. A thousand dollars was a lot of money to spend on um, 10,000 flyers was Mm -hmm. what the offering was. So you could put together a flyer, a one page flyer cost a thousand dollars and they would you would pick a crossroad. So I picked this major crossroad in Oakville, Dundas and Trafalgar, and they would spray it out to 10,000 homes. Mm -hmm. Right. So I had other colleagues that did this and had huge success with it. And really, you're thinking, I need one deal to earn my money back, right? Right, totally. So anyways, I I do, I do go ahead with it. I design the flyer. I go ahead with it. They go out, and I get no phone calls at all. Wow. And I thought, no, there's no way. So I actually thought that I just got scammed. Like, they didn't even get sent out. Right. They got thrown in a recycle bin or something. Right. But I happened to have clients that lived in that area. So I thought, I'm just going to call them up. I just did their mortgage last year, but I'm going to call them up and say hi and just see how they're doing. And when I did that, I'm talking to her and she goes, oh, Carrie, it's so great to hear from you. We just got your flyer the other day. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my God. So they actually did all go out, but I, got, I didn't get one single phone call from it. Not one, which just goes to show you that, you know, what, what is successful for one is not successful for another. You just got to keep trying, right? right? You got to accept it for what it is, not let yourself get down on things and keep moving forward. Right. And learn from it, which is what you've sure. obviously done. Yeah. I learned that that wasn't going to work in that area. So I had to try something different. Right, right. That's awesome. It always takes chops to do door knocking when I, I meet a few people that are willing to do it, but most people are like, yeah, it's kind of outside my comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So I want to just switch to uh, one other question before we move to the rapid fire question. So how do you balance running your mortgage practice and your family? Because obviously you have both, they're both priorities to you. So what, what advice do you give to somebody who's trying to manage the chaos? My best piece of advice 
is to get a clear understanding that every single day is a challenge. So you don't master balance, work-life balance, and then you have it. It's something you have to work at every single day and not to, not to get down on yourself because there are days when I am completely not balanced and there are others where I think that I have it all together. But it's, a, it's something that you have to work on every day. You can't master it. Every day is a change. Right. That's very good. So I'm going to move to rapid fire questions. You can answer these with shorter answers if you like. So cool. okay. what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Fear. Fear, I would say fear of failing. So they're afraid that they are going to fail at whatever their vision happens to be. And what one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? I want to say mentorship. So I have many mentors in the business that have taught me many things. They still do today. This is a very lonely business. So surround yourself with great people and those that want to see you be successful. If they don't want to see you be successful, they're not the right people. They're only going to bring you down. Right. It's good. So do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful? Yes, we do. Currently, we are, we've just finished building. We continue to build on Tenada from a brokerage perspective. Okay, I've heard about those guys. And if you, mm-hmm. if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? For the women out there, I would say Cheryl Sanderberg's Lean In. It's an amazing book. That's the first one that comes to mind for me. I've read that one a couple of times. Okay, and where do you think your industry's headed? Where's the opportunity? The opportunity is still within the is still within the strong relationships. I mean, there's a lot of business out there. There's a lot of clients. There's a lot of demand for homes, a lot of supply in the right areas. It's not certainly not as easy as it used to be, but there's still such huge opportunities, but you have to be willing to work not just for it, but with it. There's so many changes that have gone on in our industry, mm-hmm. and I'm only 40 years old. Others that have been in it much longer than I have can tell you about times that I don't even remember. But in the last four or five years, the number of changes that have gone on, you're required to work with the industry, not against it. And some we might, some things we might not like, mm-hmm. but you have to not just work in it. You got to work with it, and you got to work hard. Right. I love it. So here's the last question. One of my favorites. It's uh, remember the movie back of the future. Yes. So remember the car, the DeLorean, you could get in it and travel in time. Yes. So if I could put you in the car and send you back when you first started premier mortgage and you could sit down and give yourself three pieces of advice so that you could have a bigger, better business today. What three things would you tell yourself? I would tell myself, never look back, never doubt yourself because I've done both. Mm Mm-hmm. And to always keep moving forward, never stand still. Right. That's really good. Well, Carrie, I really appreciate your time today. And where can people find you online? www.premiermortgage.ca. And are you guys hiring? Sure. We're always looking for great people. For the great, great people. Well, anybody listening can check out links to Carrie as well as everything that we talked about in the show notes. And Carrie, I really hope that you continue to crush it and Premier does really well. Thank you so much.